All right, everybody, I looked at the tape, so you don't have to. And you can just come listen to my insights here on the Lockdown Vikings podcast. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Locked On Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making Locked On Vikings your first listen of the day. And on today's show, we're going to talk about checkdowns. I think that's an appropriate topic of conversation because here's my worry. Here's ready for me to, to blackpill you. <laughs> let's let's talk about doom. Uh, Kirk Cousins is a streaky quarterback. He kind of tends to do games in chunks. He'll have a chunk of phenomenal games. He'll have a chunk of whatever games. He'll have a chunk of tor- horrible games. It, it tends to be streaky. And if we are in a streak of hyper-conservative, completely broken offense, like the end of 2018, um, like there was a streak at the very beginning of 2019 of that, if we're about to enter that, we should probably talk about checkdowns. So my aim with this episode is to get you to understand why Kirk checks it down. I've also got some other uh, insights from the All-22 that we'll get to at the end. If you want to know about the defense and stuff, you know, stick around or just skip to the end or whatever. But let's start by talking about checkdowns. And I think the first thing I want to get out of the way is the kind of the elephant in the room, which is going to be people saying, well, it's not Kirk Cousins' fault that he checks down. There's pressure or the play call entices him to check down you know what if nobody's open downfield and all that stuff and so i watched the tape with all of that very squarely in mind and there was definitely pressure i think we should probably talk about kirk cousins's ability to overcome pressure and how much we expect of our quarterback how much pressure should we overcome how which pressures do we expect him to overcome and which pressures don't we expect him to overcome and i think drawing that line is an important place it's an important declaration that we should make before we actually look into which pressures Kirk Cousins did or didn't overcome. Um, In terms of just the quantity of pressure, PFF logged him with 16, but PFF also didn't uh, credit Kirk Cousins himself with any pressures, which I really strongly disagree with, and I'll explain in a second. Um, But for what PFF did say about pressures in the Dallas Cowboys game, they credited 16 of his 39 dropbacks to be pressured. That's not a great rate. Um, That's that's a pretty bad game in terms of like pass protection and, and a pretty high pressure rate. Uh, and I think the worst culprits were Garrett Bradbury and Ole Udo, who had four pressures apiece per them. Um, so the thing about Kirk Cousins and his own pressure rate, so so if a quarterback invites his own pressure, PFF claims to credit the quarterback with a pressure on himself. So if he holds the ball too long or if he moves in such a way that ruins someone's block and he kind of causes the pressure himself. But apparently, because this happened all over the game, Kirk Cousins bailed on clean pockets. This is a big pet peeve of mine, and it's something I talk about all the time. If you have a clean pocket, and then you see a flash of color, but it wasn't actual pressure, it was just somebody crossing the face of a lineman, but it really was picked up, and you bail on that, um, and and you, you know, flee that pocket and start scrambling around, that is a bad play by the quarterback. That is ruining an otherwise good pocket. You could have just stood in there, let the play develop, but instead you're now scrambling around. You've made the play worse and you've made the play more difficult to execute to solve a problem that was not there. Kirk Cousins did that a number of times in this game. And so I I guess, I don't know why PFF doesn't credit that as a pressure on Cousins. Um, 
But I guess, I don't know, maybe they, they are being harsher on an offensive lineman than I am or something like that. And honestly, it doesn't really matter. They can have their chart and I can have mine, right? So, but I, I do think it's worth pointing out that that is an issue for Kirk Cousins and it's been an issue for Kirk Cousins since Michigan State. Like, it's just part of his game. He flees, he flees clean pockets and he shouldn't and he always will. Uh, he also doesn't do a great job of buying time when he has to. There are lots of plays where, boy, I just wish that play had two more steps Give every receiver two more steps for that play to develop, and you would have had three guys wide open. But Kirk Cousins felt a pressure and checked it down. And you might say, well, pressure was, I mean, his fault, right? Uh, or, you know, pressure wasn't his fault. There was pressure there. He had to check it down. But this is where we get into the conversation of what do we expect Kirk Cousins to overcome? Should he be able to step up and avoid that pressure? Now, I'm not talking about Kyler Murray running around and, you know, evading tackles and wriggling out of things. I'm talking about pressure is coming. Take one step forward. Buy yourself extra time. He has done that very well over the last year, I would say. And he was really, really bad about it in this game. And so I'm hoping that that skill that he seemed to be working on and improving at isn't going away. Um, Also... There is hesitation. So Kirk Cousins has a reputation for holding the ball too long, which doesn't square with statistics. He has a very quick time to throw on the season, and a lot of that is because of the game plans the Vikings have deployed have been quick throws, help the offensive line, and encourage Cousins not to hold the ball too long. Um, So I, I get why they're doing that. But he is hesitant. And... That can actually mean he's he's getting rid of the ball in the same amount of time, but he hesitates, and that hesitation means he's not throwing the ball to a, a, you know an intermediate crosser. His hesitation causes him, you know, it will invite pressure, and then that becomes a check down. And yeah, he gets the ball out of his hands to check it down so he doesn't take the sack, so he doesn't hold the ball that long, but that half a beat of hesitation, or sometimes it's the ball pat that he has. If you watch him every time he throws, he pats the ball. And defensive linemen know this, and it's, I think, why he ha- gets so many batted passes, because he has a tell that he's about to throw it. Um, and when he bats that ball, when he pats that ball, it takes him about a quarter of a second to do that, or half a second to do that, and now the ball's a half a second late. Um, and so he has to kind of adjust the way that he throws for that. And that has caused some problems in the past uh, in terms of like timing and stuff. And it's a habit he's always had. And it's kind of one of those things where it's like not the highest priority thing for him to get out of his game. So it's always going to be there. But I, you would hope eventually he gets it out, right? Um, so as he's hesitating, windows to throw will close up. And then he goes, oh, no, it's not there. And now I got to scramble. And if he's deciding to scramble, the pocket might not even be messy. So all of those things sort of uh, combine to create this very check down heavy environment. But I don't want to stop there because all I've done so far is complain. (laughs) And if I just do that and send you on your way, I don't think that you got much out of this show. I want you to get more out of this show than that. So what I'm going to do is try to come up with a solution something that either Kirk Cousins can work on if if he can do that or a solution that uh that Clint Kubiak and the staff can employ that can help with this problem so we don't get stuck in the mud for the next few games that's what I want to do with this um but before we get into all of that I want to talk to you about getting gas and how bad gas prices are aren't they bad <laughs> get upside is an app that can help you out with that it's a free app at the app store google play 
Download it and it'll show you gas stations in your area and you can save at those gas stations up to 25 cents a gallon, a quarter off a gallon. That is not insignificant money over a whole month of like normal driving or of, of like heavy driving if you're like a commuter. That's like two, 300 bucks a month. And you get that money in cash back and you can cash it out whenever you want in uh, like an Amazon gift card, PayPal, or just a direct deposit to your bank. There's no catch. Just get your money back. That is the Get Upside app. And you can enter promo code TOUCHDOWN when you sign up and you can get 50 cents a gallon off of your first fill up. 50 cents a gallon on your first fill up just for entering the, pro the promo code TOUCHDOWN at the Get Upside app. Once again, thank you all for making Locked On Vikings your first listen of the day. And I want to continue this conversation about Kirk Cousins and conservatism and checkdowns um, because there's a few specific things. So I published an article and I already kind of know before or I will have published an article by the time you read this. Um, and I already kind of know the problems people are going to have with the article. In that article, there is a cut up of 11 plays. And I already tweeted out and a lot of people were like, well, show the plays, coward. And I, I will. I was just saving it for the article. Um, the, there were 11 plays that were checkdowns that I thought were Kirk Cousins' fault uh, or, you know, shorter passes or passes where they left meat on, on the bone, and I think that that's Kirk Cousins' fault. Um, some of those plays were screens where he threw the screen, but there was something deeper open downfield. You might say, well, wait, that's... that's Some people saw the, have seen the check the, the cut-up already on Discord or whatever uh, and said, wait, it's a screen. Of course he throws the screen. But... I think they have alerts built into their screens. It's It looks like Kirk Cousins is checking something else before he throws the screen. And the fact that he's checking it but not throwing it, I think is a bad decision he should have not made. Uh, you know, coming, if he looks at something, comes off it and throws something else, and he, and, and he should have thrown that something, that's on Kirk Cousins. Even if it's a fake look, you're looking at it, you got the ball in your hand, rip it. Like, they're running a route, just do it. Um, so there's that. There's also a lot of plays where kind of like I said before, where there is pressure and I froze the tape and said, throw it to here. And I put an arrow, throw the ball right here and throw it now. Um, and, and sometimes the ball is already gone by the time that arrow comes up. That's me asking him to buy more time. And I don't think it's unreasonable to do it. Although I do ask him to make really, really hard throws in that cut up. There's one over the scene to Tyler Conklin with Leighton Vander Esch in blanket coverage. That would be an absolute rope, but it's a rope that I've seen him throw before. And here's the thing about Kirk Cousins. I have been very critical of Kirk Cousins, but I also understand what he's good at. And it makes it particularly frustrating to me to watch Kirk Cousins decline throws that I know he can make. He's got that in him and he needs to play with more confidence. If you want the nice old football guy, hard-headed cliche analysis, Kirk Cousins needs to play with more confidence. That's what I have to say about it. However, uh, let's get a little more substantive here because I do have a substantive suggestion that I think will help. Um, so the way that the Vikings do progressions a lot of the time, um, or this isn't the Vikings, the way in, in NFL passing offenses, a lot of progressions will either read short to long or long to short. Uh, if you are reading long to short, it's touchdown, check down. You might have heard old Eric Coriel quarterbacks talk about that, or like North Turner offenses. Aikman would talk about that a lot. Um, and touchdown, check down, you know, go look, see if the long bomb touchdown isn't there. If not, check it down. That's long to short. Go check to see if the long thing is there. And if not, take your small four or five yard gain or whatever, right? Those are longer developing plays and it's a little bit more difficult. So if you don't have time to do that, you'll call something that, that progresses short to long, where you are reading a faster route first, like 
say a lot of bootlegs are are on this. If there is a sliding tight end, which is, you know, what looks like the check down on a tight end, well, that's actually the first read on the play because it'll be the one that if it's open, will be open first. So we're waiting for everything else to come open. If that's there, he's coached to take the yards that are in front of him. And so he will throw that short thing before even knowing if the long thing is going to be open or not. And that will lead to Kirk Cousins throwing a short pass when a longer pass is open. Now, I didn't include any of those in the cut-up, save for one, uh, where I don't think that the slide was as open as he thought it was. So that's not what's in the cut-up. And I don't blame Kirk Cousins for those plays. I blame the progression for being short to long, especially when you have a short to long progression and then you block it up and the guy has all day to look at it. Um, that's really frustrating to me. It's like you kind of forced your offensive line to be bad. Even when they played well, they've already influenced the play because you were so scared of them not playing well. You're kind of removing their opportunity to make up for their mistakes. And that frustrates me. But uh, if you can make it so that some of those plays can read long to short instead of short to long without asking more of a struggling offensive line, that's the holy grail, right? So what I say is on those those rollouts, the bootlegs, I'm trying to fix the bootleg here, and the bootleg is terrible, and they called it way too many times. Um, but on the bootleg, they had some success with having a blocker in front uh, of, of the bootleg because that guy can block the edge rusher that's that's coming up the field, right? But that blocker is often a tight end. On one play against the Cowboys, it was C.J. Ham, uh, And C.J. Ham was going up against, I believe it was a defensive tackle, might have been a defensive end. A defensive lineman, though, against C.J. Ham. That's a mismatch, and the lineman defeats Ham easily and goes and gets a pressure, and ruins the play. On that, uh, I would love to see a delayed slide, and that means that if it's C.J. Ham or it was K.J. Osborne on the play that I did include, um, and by the way, that was a third and eight uh, completion to K.J. Osborne. Adam Thielen was streaking wide open downfield on a post. It would have been a walk-in touchdown. Uh he throws to KJ Osborne because Osborne got an easy completion, but it was third and eight and there was a defender at the sticks ready to meet him. He got about four yards and they punted. Um, that's not open to me on third and eight because he couldn't get the first down. You know, it's open for a completion, but not for the actual play. And that is a critique I have of Cousins that he too often throws a ball that is easily complete, but not easily a good play. Really good at completion for one kind of thing. Um, and I don't think he should throw those anymore. Or completion for negative yardage. Uh, you know, you he caught the ball. But the guy's coming, you know, right at him and he's never going to make that guy miss. He has to be better at assessing the, the receivers after catch chances. And right now he's just kind of blindly trusting at Alexander Madison to break 10 tackles and get the first down. Right. Um, so that's an aside. But on the play where K.J. Osborne leaks, the problem or where he slides, the problem is if Cousins were to wait to to find out that that Adam Thielen post was going to be open, the slide would be at the sideline. It would run out of real estate. Um, he would run out of field to run and there would be nowhere to throw the ball to. So instead, KJ Osborne should block for longer and he should release later in the play. So that way, Cousins can read it short to long. He can read touchdown to Adam Thielen and if that is not there, the checkdown would should be breaking open right at the moment Kirk Cousins makes that decision. I just want to tweak the timing of these plays and I think you can get Kirk Cousins to kind of read a better teleprompter. But... Ultimately, Kirk is a paint-by-numbers quarterback. He is a baker, not a chef. He is Ron Burgundy. Pick your metaphor. He's not going to color outside the lines. And so you have to make the lines work exactly to what they need to be in that situation. 
Um, and again, that's where it gets really difficult. That's my thing on the offense. In the actual run game, uh, just real quick, they ran a lot outgapped. I thought Ezra Cleveland did a poor job. I thought Oli Udo ruined a lot of run plays. Um, Garrett Bradbury made a lot of really cool reach blocks. He does that a lot. If you watch tape with me on Discord, I'll show you. But yeah, I, I thought the guards in particular were very highly suspect in the run game. And for whatever it's worth, Christian Dessa had a nice day. He gave up one one pressure, I think, one sack, or one almost sack, uh, or maybe two. He had a, a couple of blemishes, but nothing I'm too concerned about. I thought he had a nice day, and I think we have a pretty good tackle in him uh, after seeing a couple games. Uh, and, and he's just a rookie. Hopefully he can come, come up better. I, I, I'm pretty happy with what I've seen from him. But let's move on to the defense. I, I want to talk about Anthony Barr. I want to talk about what we do without Daniel Hunter. DJ Wanham was really interesting to watch in this game. And, and I want to talk about the coverages and, and the problems that I brought up on Monday and kind of expand on that. Uh, but first, let me talk to you about Grambling. Bet Online has changed its whole website. They have an awesome live uh, live betting interface. That's my favorite new way to bet. I'm, I'm done with parlays. I can't do them. I can't win parlays. It's too disappointing. Uh, I'm doing live bets now where, you, where I get to watch exactly when it feels like the favored team has cratered and then I can get them and, you know, pick them. You know, uh, I made a whole bunch of money uh, betting on the Giants plus seven. I got the Giants plus 17 on Monday Night Football and they never trailed by more than a touchdown, I believe, in that whole game. Beautiful stuff on the live betting. I love it so much. You can bet on whatever you want, though. You can bet on pro, college football. World Series is over, but you can bet on basketball. Uh, even your favorite Vegas casino games or MMA or whatever. So head on over to betonline.ag and enter promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. You get a 50% welcome bonus. That means whatever your first deposit is, BetOnline will match 50% of it and just plop it right in your account as free play money. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. I also want to talk to you about the best tasting protein bar on the planet. Protein bars, by and large, suck. They're chalky, they're waxy, uh, they'll taste kind of vaguely like they were transported in a truck next to chocolate, but really they just kind of taste like protein powder. Not Built Bar. Built Bar is delicious. It's made, I think the secret is the collagen protein. And it genuinely tastes like a candy bar covered in 100% chocolate. They're low carb, low calorie, low fat, low sugar, and very, very high in protein. Purely delicious. So many flavors, including coconut, raspberry, mint brownie, coconut almond, salted caramel, double chocolate, and chocolate cherry. This month, Built is coming out with new limited time flavors every three to four days. So check their website often. You don't want to miss out on that. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, you can get 15% off of your order. That's promo code LOCKED15, all one word, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, for 15% off at Built.com. Before we get into the defense, I should mention the trade deadline was on Tuesday. It passed. The Vikings didn't do anything. I didn't really expect them to do anything. Um, but in case you were waiting on some big blockbuster that turned the season around, nope. Uh, but let's talk about the defense instead. So I guess I want to start, we'll do some player by player in a sec, but I want to start by just reiterating what I said on Monday, if you missed uh, the Monday show. Um, the Vikings made a really, and Mike Zimmer personally, made a really, really, really big mistake in this game. I will go out on the limb and say this is the worst defensive play calling performance from Zimmer I can remember off the top of my head. Maybe there was a worse one, but this is worse to me than like the 2018 Rams game where Jared Goff threw all over them. That was 
Sean McVay doing incredibly ingenious things to take advantage. It was a much more complicated thing, and it's the kind of thing where, all right, it happens. You get caught every once in a while. This was the Vikings doing a genuinely stupid thing and getting punished for it rightfully so. And that stupid thing was cover one. They existed in cover one, especially in the final drive. They played so much cover one. Uh, that was man. That means man-to-man coverage. One deep defender, one safety, man-to-man coverage, and then you have an extra guy left over to blitz or uh, try to rob something, poach a, a route underneath, you know, watch the quarterback's eyes, try to get an interception, do something creative with him. But functionally, it is a man-to-man coverage. And in man-to-man coverage, there is uh, there is a problem when you don't have the men to cover their men. Man-to-man means Cameron Dantzler on Amari Cooper all day, alone. And Cameron Dantzler played really scared. He played very, very far off coverage. That's okay if you're really, really worried about getting beat deep, right? I'd rather give up 10 yards than, you know, 80. Um, That's fine. That's what you're going to be coached to do. But if you're that so worried about giving up 80 that you're giving 15 yards of cushion and letting 14-yard passes go, obviously that's a problem. That's a first down. I feel like that is a conversation that Zimmer could have had with Breland and Dantzler because both of these guys had this problem. They had identical games to me everybody's arguing over which one was really the true uh you know the the true culprit to me they were the same um because they both made the same mistake which was playing too far off and then allowing everything underneath to be caught and by underneath i mean they were playing at 15 yards and everything shorter than 15 yards was a free and easy completion cooper rush didn't have to lead anybody he didn't have to throw any tight windows he didn't have to throw anybody open he did not have to be a good quarterback amari cooper and CeeDee Lamb had to be good wide receivers to beat that coverage, but they are. And so the Cowboys could, and that's why the Cowboys moved the ball so well. Um, and I just feel like Zimmer could have had that conversation. He could have said, hey, how far off do you think you'd play on a first and 10 if you have no safety help? Oh, I'd probably line up 10 yards off. Okay, that's probably not confident enough. Let's give you more safety help. I feel like that's an exchange that could have happened. Um, and, and I feel like if that's not a conversation that's happening... And clearly it wasn't, or clearly they got the wrong idea uh, about how confident these corners were. Like, these corners were not confident enough to leave them on an island. They did not play with enough confidence. And so once again, just like, uh, you know, just like the Vikings, they're scared. They're not confident enough. I need Kirk Cousins to be more confident. I need Cameron Dantzler to be more confident. I need the shot Breland to be more confident. Moving on. Uh, So no Daniil Hunter, obviously. He goes on IR officially on uh, Tuesday. And he gets replaced by ostensibly DJ Wanham and probably a rotation uh, of Wanham and Willikis actually made some noise in this game with uh, a very small sample size. You probably get some Patrick Jones worked in there now and uh, you get, because now there's no Weatherly and Hunter. So both, both Willikis and Patrick Jones are probably going to get some run. Um, But really I think the headline is DJ Wanham who had a really interesting game. He looked good out there. He kind of got a, the best of Terrence Steele, who's been having a good year. You might think of Terrence Steele as public enemy number one in the Cowboys from a couple years ago, but he's been good this year. Um, and and DJ Wanham got him good. And that's really exciting. Um, Dalvin Tomlinson was Dalvin Tomlinson. I think him playing very well has become kind of a fixture to me at this point. He's not very interesting anymore, um, but he's very consistent. I thought Armin Watts had a really nice game. Um, and I thought Sheldon Richardson had some ups and downs. I thought Anthony Barr had a really good game. I'm going to defend that in a bit. And I thought Eric Kendricks was up and down. Um, I thought Harrison Smith was Harrison Smith. And I thought Xavier, obviously Xavier Woods had a fantastic game. Um, But let me defend. Oh, and and Mackenzie Alexander had a good game, but for a couple of bad plays. (laughs) 
And one of those bad plays was the Ezekiel Elliott third and 11 conversion with all the missed tackles at the very end of the game on that final drive that happened right before the fade where Cameron Dantzler got sunned by Amari Cooper for the 900th time uh, for the, for the go ahead touchdown. That play, let me explain something. So that play is what everybody is defining Anthony Barr's game by. I think that's inappropriate a, because it's just one play and the rest of his game was very good but B, because I don't think that play was his fault personally. Everybody's blaming him because he's the one that got his arms around the guy and he didn't make the tackle, but he was taking a very particular angle because he had Mackenzie Alexander next to him. They had him bracketed. They had one guy on either side of him, Mackenzie Alexander on the outside, Anthony Barr on the inside. And when you have that, you play a particular in a particular way that kind of contains uh, the, the rusher between the two of you, and you're supposed to converge at him on the same time and then bring him down. Um, so what that means is that you aren't attacking the opposite hip to tackle in the way you usually would if it were an open field tackle. You're attacking the near hip. And if you attack the near hip and, you, and, and you're in the open field, you're going to get, that's an arm tackle, you're going to get that tackle broken a lot. It's just not the technique you should use. Um, but if you have a guy on the other side of you and you're both attacking the near hip, there's no way he can keep his legs churning through that. He's got two guys hanging on him, right? And because you've converged on him, there's no way he can bounce outside of you. It's a very safe way to make that tackle. The problem is Alexander and Barr were doing that. And then Alexander fell down for the second time in the play. He actually had fallen down once before. So he was slipping and sliding all over on this play. He fell down and now Anthony Barr is caught in a bad technique. That may sound like a galaxy brain way to defend my favorite guy or whatever, but I do think it's important to explain tackling technique. You're supposed to attack the opposite hip if you are tackling in the open field. If you're tackling with help, you're not going to attack the same hip that other guy is attacking. I think that bears mentioning. And the same exact problem happened then with Xavier Woods and Cameron Dantzler, who also had a chance to stop that. Cameron Dantzler was late to the play, so when, when Xavier Woods attacked the near hip, Dantzler wasn't there to take it, and then Zeke Elliott could break the tackle because he's a powerful running back. That is a problem that's terrible tackling, though I would not blame Anthony Barr for it. Um, yeah, he had both his arms around him, and you want to be able to bring that guy down, but he was caught in an awkward technique. He might as well have been diving at ankles. That's what I'll say about Anthony Barr. And even if you don't believe me on that play, which is totally fine, disagree with me, that's absolutely fair in this particular case. This is a subjective matter. Um, if you disagree with me, though, watch the rest of his game. He made a ton of plays, and the Vikings were fantastic in run defense. They had the box loaded, and that helped, um, but they also just were very sound. They are very gap sound, very good at penetrating. They made the right reads and stuff. They were really, really good against a vaunted run defense, and they deserve at least some credit for that. So... They gave up 20 points and they stopped the run. I think as an offense, you should be able to win that game. And for pre-discussed reasons, they didn't, obviously. But I think the defense, by and large, did its job, even though they melted down at the very end. In man coverage, they should have never been in. So lots and lots and lots of blame on Mike Zimmer. Lots and lots of blame on Kirk Cousins. And I think it's absolutely fair that everybody's wanting to expel those guys from the organization right now. I, I think that's fair discourse after that game. So we're moving on. Tomorrow... It's Ravens Day. We're going to talk to Kevin Ostreicher of Locked On Ravens. Uh, we're going to move on. It's time to start talking about Lamar Jackson. Put this thing in the dust and forget about this stupid Dallas game. See if we can't try to turn the season around. You go beat the Ravens in your 4-4 four and four feeling good because you just beat a playoff team? I don't know. I, I think it is, it's still something that could totally happen if you want to go pull off that upset in Baltimore. So we'll talk about it. In the meantime, you can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. Show's on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. Check out the, the Peacock and Williamson podcast for the national angle on things. And as always, skull.